Well, good morning to each one. I greet you in the name of Jesus. It's good to be here with you today. We um, took a look at the weather and the forecast yesterday, and we thought, well, maybe it would be just best to come up last evening. And so that's what we did. So we had a very relaxing evening and morning just down the road here. We were probably had uh, we were probably closer to church at less distance to, to drive than many of you. So, but it's good to be here with you this morning, and I appreciate your prayers as I go through this uh, message today. I've been fighting an infection in my leg, and I'm on some. Uh, meds for that and um, those meds can kind of make me feel just a little bit um, I don't know not quite emotionally stable so bear with me with that I really enjoyed the the Sunday school lesson we often wonder where Job's friends went wrong. And I have a thought on that, and it may just add to the discussion. I'm sure it's not all of it. But if you notice that very first verse in our lesson, Job's friends had heard, you see, they had heard of this evil. Okay? So they were coming to Job with what they had heard. Just remember that. So when you go to reach out to someone who's hurting, I'm sure we all have heard about the situation, but don't go with preconceived ideas. You see, Job's friends had heard, and then they sat there for seven days, okay? Before, so yeah, we can't help what we hear, but let's not just always take things hook, line, and sinker. Okay, just my thought on Job's friends. <laughs> All right, we'll get into the message here. But today, for a message, I would like to consider one of the fruit of the Spirit. We find the fruit fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter five, and I'll read verse 22 and 23 of Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Today we will be looking at the second fruit, which is joy. But the fruit of the Spirit is joy. I titled this message, The Joy of the Lord is Your Strength. The Joy of the Lord is Your Strength. So how do we best describe joy? Well, first I went to the dictionary, and this is what it says. The word joy means a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Such as when I realized I had won the lottery, I cried tears of joy. Or the joy of being alive, 
on a beautiful day at the beach. And so joy, according to the dictionary, is simply the good feeling of everything going my way. It's very surface, you see, and very much hanging on my current circumstances. Now, the Bible meaning for the word joy is similar, but yet it's different. In the Greek, the word for joy is spelled C-H-A-R-A, which means a feeling of inner gladness, delight, happiness, or rejoicing. However, it's more, it's a depth of assurance and confidence that ignites a cheerful heart. And in turn, that cheerful heart leads to cheerful behavior. The joy and happiness of the Bible is a joy and happiness of the heart, which is very noticeable on the surface in how we look and how we act. Bible joy, unlike the dictionary joy, is not hanging on my current circumstances, but, in it, but an expression of the freedom I'm experiencing in Jesus Christ. As you study Galatians chapter 5, you will see that the fruit of the Spirit is what happens when the Holy Spirit dwells in the heart of the believer. It is the new focus. It's the new walk. It's what now fills our clean, swept, and put in order heart. It's a beautiful part of our new creation in Jesus Christ. It is simply the believer living in the Spirit and also walking in the Spirit. It is old things passed away. It's all things becoming new. As I have studied these nine fruit, I'm amazed at the progression. There is a divine order in how these fruits or fruit are listed. The first fruit is love. Love is the first evidence that God is at work in the heart. The first fruit of the, the, first fruit of the Spirit of God within us is love. Love is primary, central, and essential to being a Christian. It's like the Christian's badge. It's evidence of who we are. It proves something. Now, if you would like, you can turn with me to John 15. I'd like to read 9 through 11. And I want to show you here how joy follows right on the heels of love. John 15, 9 through verse 11. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, well, what are the commandments? What are God's commandments? Well, in Matthew 22, verse 37, it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
And so verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Isn't that beautiful how joy follows right on the heels of love? You see, each fruit is divinely placed after the next. And if you go to the next one, which is peace, you can go to scripture and see how peace follows joy. So it's an interesting study. But how would you describe a joy that is full? How would you describe a joy that is full? Well, the word full means containing or holding as much or as many as possible. Having no empty, having no empty space. You know, full in life is generally a very positive thing. You know, over the past several years, we have experienced a lot of empty, empty shelves, empty lots, empty parts bins, lots of empties. These things, John is writing, I have spoken to you that your joy may be full. And so the connection is love, loving God, loving our neighbor, loving our brother, and that our joy may be full. Full, abundant, complete, running over, satisfied, no empty spaces. This past week I went into Lowe's to, um, to purchase some trim nails. We go through quite a bit of trim nails and when we purchase trim nails, we like to buy enough to have for a while, you know, the next few months. And for the last couple years, when we went into Lowe's to buy trim nails, if they had them, it was about one box, possibly two. Well, this past week, they had them. One, two, three, four, and then behind that stack was one, two, three, four. And behind that stack, you know, as far as you could see under the shelf. Oh, that's a good feeling. I kind of loaded up on them again. That's the fullness of joy that John is writing about. Full, plenty. I'd like to uh, thank now for the next few minutes about the... Um, Joy, as it unfolded, uh, the message of joy throughout the New Testament, starting in Matthew. But the Gospels began with the promise of joy. On the night Jesus was born, the angels appeared to the shepherds in the fields and announced good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. No one was to be excluded from sharing in the news that a newborn king had been born in Bethlehem. Even the shepherds, who were often shunned and looked down by others, were invited to kneel before him and worship. 
And then sometimes, sometime later, the traveling wise men, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And the Bible says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Many years before Jesus was born, the prophet Jeremiah foretold that everyone from the least to the greatest would have the privilege to know the Lord. Jeremiah 31, 32, and 34 says, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. And I believe the very first, most important lesson about Bible joy is that it comes from God. The second is, it surrounds all. Where Jesus is concerned, everyone is invited to share in the good news, in the feasting, and in the celebrations, from the least to the greatest. And so today, wherever you are, and whoever you are, the joy of the Lord is for you. During his earthly ministry, Jesus exemplified joy. He faced opposition from his enemies. He faced disbelief from his family and friends. Jesus knew about adversity, but he also showed us joy. When the wine ran out at the wedding celebration, Jesus turned water into wine. In fact, he made better wine than the wine that was served first. Jesus was actually accused of being too joyful. In Luke 7, verse 34, says, The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, Look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus' enemies are saying, this man spends too much time hanging around dishonorable people, prostitutes, tax collectors, and drunks. You see, these people had a preconceived idea about how they thought a man who called himself the Son of God should behave. And Jesus wasn't making that cut. And so they accused him of being too joyful. In Mark chapter 2, 18 through 20, Jesus compared his time on this earth to a bridegroom attending the wedding feast. Mark 2, 18 through 20. 
I'll read that at this time. The disciples of John and of the Pharisees were fasting. Then they came and said to him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the friend of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. And Jesus was saying, my days on this earth is a time for joy. It's a time for celebration. It's a time for relationships. However, those days will come to a conclusion, and we know they did. And so Jesus showed us an example of joyful living and that joyful living surrounding relationships with the ones that he loved. In the three parables of Luke 15, we have the parable of the lost sheep, we have the parable of the lost coin, and the prodigal son. And joy and celebration is at the forefront of these parables. The lost sheep was sought after and found. The lost coin, the floor was swept and found. The prodigal son, he left and later returned. The lost son was found. Joy and celebration followed all these three events. And I believe these picture, these parables give us a beautiful picture into the courts of heaven. When a sinner is saved, all heaven's joy breaks out over one sinner who repents. And you know, as I thought about that yesterday and I thought about it some this morning, what, what other religion is surrounded by a joyful God, a, you know, um, the message of joy is is so part of the um, of Christianity, and um, in Psalms it talks about the God who sings over His people, and uh, you know, heaven joy in heaven when when someone is saved. And with the announcement of Jesus, there was joy. Uh, what, what other religion offers that? <laughs> I don't know if there is any. Um, so you can think about that. But then moving on, um, the lessons taught by Jesus on this earth, I believe laid the foundations for the early church, which was characterized by gladness and the joy of the Lord. Acts 2 verse 40, 46 says, talking about the disciples, so, that, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart just a picture of the, the early church. 
Paul, in his many letters to various churches, encouraged the believers with things like, Rejoice always, pray continually, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus. And these words are coming from a man who knew adversity. Many of his letters were written from the deep darkness of a prison cell, cold and hurting from being beaten. In fact, Paul will always be remembered for singing in prison. And I'd like to go to Acts chapter 16 and read uh, 20 through 34, but this is the account where at midnight, Paul and Silas sing praises to God and there was the earthquake and I believe there's a lesson here for us to learn. But let's start reading in verse 20 of Acts chapter 16. And they brought them, Paul and Silas, that is, to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loose. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. What an amazing story of God and his power. But think with me, think with me. What if Paul and Silas instead of joyfully praying and singing hymns, would have been all down in the dumps. Boy, this is terrible. I can't believe this has happened to us. 
you know, instead of singing and praying, what if they'd have been snapping at the other prisoners? You be quiet. What if they would have been smarting off the jailer? Could God have worked in such a miraculous way if that would have been the attitude of Paul and Silas? You know, sometimes people will say, well, how comes we don't see miracles today? I mean, how comes we don't see miracles like back in the early church? Well, I would believe the problem is not God. God is still performing miracles today. You see, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, and God moved in a mighty way, and people were saved. People were delivered. And how many times has my grumpy negative attitude held God back from doing something very wonderful for myself and for others. Think about that. I think we need to think about that. I know I do. Is it possible for God to move in a mighty way when we have a bad attitude? Well, Paul's life and writings serve to remind us that adversity, far from hindering our faith, can actually enhance our joy when we make it out the other side. The Apostle Peter, whose life and attitude mirrored the Apostle Paul, wrote these words in 1 Peter 1, 6 through 8. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the gentleness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. As I studied this message, I was intrigued with the connection between joy and the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 13, the apostles are about and busy sharing the gospel. And verse 52 of that chapter says, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Romans 14, 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13, 
Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6. And you have become followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 25 says, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And I believe one of the most beautiful effects of walking and living in the, whole, in the Holy Spirit is joy. The Christian joy is something we must fight for. And I believe a battle rages for the Christian's joy. The devil will do anything to spoil and take away our joy in Christ Jesus. Such things as discouragement, fear, pride, sin, even politics and the news will rob us of our joy in Christ. David sinned with Bathsheba, robbed him of his joy. In his prayer of repentance, he prayed, Psalm 51:10, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Verse 12 of that passage shows us the connection between joy and freedom. One of the first effects of sin is lost joy, which instantly brings bondage. And David prayed, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. And so, dear people, let us stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Galatians 5, verse 1. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That is the way for securing our joy and freedom in Jesus Christ. And so, if sin has robbed you of the joy of your salvation and the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free, and you want to get that back, go back to the cross. Go back to where you originally found the joy of the Lord. Make David's prayer of Psalm 51 your prayer and secure your joy and freedom again in Jesus Christ. As I said, these uh, meds can do strange things to your body. And one of the things it does to me is I've been really sweating here this morning. But I'm okay with it, and hopefully you are too. So um, we'll just keep going here. But in my study, I learned the Greek word for joy 
and the Greek word for grace are closely connected. In fact, they are spelled very similar in Hebrew. You see, joy is a natural response to grace. In other words, we have joy because of God's grace. And we see that in Ephesians chapter 2, and you can turn there with me if you like. Galatians 2, I'll read uh, verse 4 through 8. For God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You see the connection between joy and grace. Joy is a natural response to the grace of God. And so grace and joy are closely to get closely connected they walk side by side in conclusion today i'd like to uh, go to the book of nehemiah and i'd like to go to chapter nehemiah chapter 8 i'd like to read several verses from this passage but the book of nehemiah is a story about reestablishing God's people, both physically and spiritually. And so in the first part of the book, if you're familiar with Nehemiah, um, Nehemiah restores Jerusalem in a physical sense. They rebuild the walls and so forth. And then in the second uh, section of the book, Nehemiah, and Ezra brings spiritual revival to Jerusalem. And so chapter 8 begins with Ezra carefully and distinctly reading the law to the people and helping the people understand the meanings of the words. So Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 9, and I'll read through 12. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and the scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the word of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way and eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For, the, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to send portions, and rejoiced greatly, because they understood the words that were declared to them. And so the question is, 
why were these people so emotionally upset? Why were these people weeping and mourning and crying? And I think it's probably, it was probably for different reasons for different people. For some, it would seem it was just hearing and understanding the word of the Lord for the first time. And for others, maybe being back home after many years in exile and hearing the law read again. And maybe some in the crowd, they were realizing how far they had drifted from the commands of the law. Maybe the task of getting organized again as a group and keeping the law looked overwhelming. Whatever it was, Ezra's words to this very emotional group of people still speak to us today. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And it says the people, they, they took these words and they went from weeping to greatly rejoicing. And so today, I want to leave you with those same words. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord will get you through. The joy of the Lord is your victory. And so, dear people, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is my prayer for you today.